Hey boys, I'm still in Ghana for one more night, but tomorrow I'll be home. It's really hot here and it's been raining a lot and I've been in meetings today and um, yeah, gotten to see a little bit of the city, which has been fun. It's a really interesting place here. I hope you guys um, had a good day too. So this chapter is called Springtime. Now breakfast was eaten before dawn, and the sun was rising but beyond the dewy meadows when Almanzo drove his team from the barns. He had to stand on a box to lift the heavy collars onto the horse's shoulders and to slip the bridles over their ears, but he knew how to drive. He had learned when he was little. Father wouldn't let him touch the colts, nor drive the spirited young horses, but now he was old enough to work in the fields. He could drive the old, gentle work team, Bess and Beauty. They were wise, sober mares, and they were turned out to pasture. They did not whinny and gallop like the colts. They looked about them and laid down and rolled once or twice, then fell to eating grass. When they were harnessed, they stepped sedately one behind the other um, over the still of the barn door, sniffed the spring air, and waited patiently for the traces to be fastened. They were older than Omonzo, and he was going to be ten. They knew how to plow without stepping on the corn or making the furrows crooked. They knew how to harrow, and they turned at the end of the field. Almanzo would have enjoyed driving them more if they hadn't known so much. He hitched them to the harrow, and last fall the fields had been plowed and covered with manure. Now the lumpy soil must be harrowed. Bess and Beauty stepped out willingly, not too fast, yet fast enough, to harrow well. They liked to work in the springtime after the long winter of standing in their stalls. Back and forth across the field they plowed the harrow, while Almanzo walked behind it, holding the reins. At the end of the row he turned the team around and set the harrow so that its teeth barely overlapped the strip already harrowed. Then he slapped the reins on the horse's rumps and shouted, Get up! And away they went again. All over the countryside, other bows, boys were harrowing too, turning up the moist earth to the sunshine. Far to the north, the St. Lawrence River and the Silver Streak at the edge of the sky. The woods were clouds of delicate green. Birds hopped twittering from stone fences and squirrels frisked. Almanzo walked whistling behind the team. When he harrowed the whole field across one way, then he harrowed it across the other way. The harrow's sharp teeth combed again and again through the earth, breaking up the lumps. All the soil must be made mellow and fine and smooth. By and by, Amonzo was too hungry to whistle. He grew hungrier and hungrier. It seemed that noon would never come. He wondered how many miles he'd walked, and still the sun seemed to stand still. The shadows seemed not to change at all. He was starving. At last, at last, the sun stood overhead. The shadows were 
quite gone. Nomanzo harrowed another row and another. Then at last he heard the horns blaring far and near. Clear and joyful came the sound of mother's big tin dinner horn. Bess and Beauty picked up, pricked up their ears and stepped more briskly. At the edge of the field towards the house, they stopped. Almanzo unfastened the traces and looped them up, and leaving the harrow in the field, he climbed onto Beauty's broad back. He rode down the, to the pump house and let the horses drink. He, he put them in their stall and took off their bridles and gave them grain. A good horseman always takes care of his horses before he eats or rests. But Almanzo hurried. How good dinner was and how he ate! Father heaped his plate again and again, and Mother smiled and gave him two pieces of pie. He felt better when he went back to work, but the afternoon seemed much longer than the morning. He tried when he rode down to the barns at sunset to do chores. Oh, he was tired when he rode down to the barns at sunset to do the chores. At supper he was drowsy, and as soon as he had eaten, he climbed upstairs and went to bed. It was so good to stretch out on that soft bed. Before he pulled up the coverlet, he fell fast asleep. In just a minute, Mother's candle shone on the stairs and she was calling. Another day had begun. There was no time to lose and no time to waste in rest or play. The life of the earth comes up with the rush in the springtime. All the wild weeds, seeds of weed and thistle and the sprouts of vine and bush and tree are trying to take the fields. The farmer must fight them with the harrow and the plow and the hoe, and they must plant the good seeds quickly. Almanzo was a little soldier in the great battle. From dawn till dark he worked, and from dark till dawn he slept, and then he was up again and working. He harrowed the pot potato field till the soil was smooth and mellow, and very little sprouting weed was and every little sprouting weed was killed. Then he helped Royal take the potatoes seed potatoes from the bin in the cellar and cut them into pieces, leaving two or three eyes on each piece. Potato plants have blossoms and seeds, but no one knows what kind of potato will grow from the potato seed. All potatoes of one kind that have ever been grown have come from one potato. A potato is not a seed, it's part of the potato's plant root. Cut it up and plant it, and it will always make more potatoes just like itself. Every potato has little dents in it, and those look like eyes. From those eyes, the little roots grow down into the soil and little leaves push up towards the sun. They eat up the piece of potato while they are small, before they are strong enough to take their food from the earth and the air. Father was marking the field. The marker was a log with a row of wooden pegs driven into it, three and a half feet apart. One horse drew the log crosswise behind him. The pegs made little furrows, and Father marked the field lengthwise and crosswise, so the furrows made little squares. Then planting began. Father and Royal took their hose. Alice and Almanzo carried pails full of potatoes. 
Almanzo went in front of Royal and in front of Royal and Alice went in front of Father down the rows. At the corner of each square where the furrows crossed, Almanzo dropped one piece of potato. He must drop it exactly in the corner, so that the rows would be straight and could be ploughed. Royal covered it with dirt and patted it firm with the hoe. Behind Alice, Father covered the pieces of potato that she dropped. Planting potatoes was fun. A good smell came from the fresh earth and from the clover fields. Alice was was happy with the breeze blowing her curls and setting her hoop skirts swaying. Father was jolly, and they all talked while they worked. Amonzo and Alice tried to drop potatoes so fast that they'd have a minute at the end of the row to look for a bird's nest or to chase a lizard into the stone fence. But Father and Royal were never far behind. Father said, Hustle along there, son, hustle along. So they hustled, and when they were far enough ahead, Almanzo plucked a grass stem and made it whistle between his thumbs. Alice tried, but she could not do that. She would pucker her mouth and whistle, and Royal teased her. Whistling girls and crowing hens always come to some bad ends. Back and forth across the field they went all morning, all afternoon, for three days. Then the potatoes were planted. Then father sowed the grain. He sowed a field of wheat for white bread and a field of rye for rye bread and a field of oats mixed with Canada peas to feed the horses and the cows next winter. While father sowed the grain, Almanzo followed him over the fields with Bessie and Beauty, harrowing the seeds into the earth. Almanzo could not sow grain yet. He must practice a long time before he could spread the seeds evenly. That is hard to do. The heavy sack of grain hung from a strap over father's left shoulder, and as he walked he took the handfuls of grains from the sack, and sweep of his arm and a bend of the wrist he let the little grains fly from his fingers. The sweep of his arms kept time with his steps, and when father finished sowing the field, every inch of ground had been evenly scattered with seeds, nowhere too many or too few. The seeds were too small to be seen on the ground, and you could not know how skillful a sower was until the seeds came up. Father told Almanzo about a lazy, worthless boy who had been sent to sow a field. This boy did not want to work, so he poured the seeds out of his sack and went swimming. Nobody saw him. Afterwards, he harrowed the field, and no one knew what he had done. But the seeds knew, and the earth knew. And when when even the boy had forgotten his wickedness, they told it. The weeds took the field. When all the grain was sowed, Almanzo and Alice planted carrots. They had sacks full of little red round carrot seeds hanging from their shoulders, like father's big seed sack. Father had marked the carrot field lengthwise, with a marker whose teeth were only 18 inches apart. Almanzo and Alice, with carrot seeds, went up and down the long field, straddling the little furrows. Now the weather was so warm that they could go barefoot. Their bare feet felt good in the air and the soft dirt.
They dribbled the carrot seeds into the furrow, with, and with their feet they pushed dirt over the seeds and pressed it down. Almanzo could see his feet, but of course Alice's were hidden under her skirts. Her hoops uh, rounded out, and she had to pull them back and stoop to drop seeds near the, neatly in, into the furrow. Almanzo asked her if she didn't want to be a boy. She said yes, she did. And then she said no, she didn't. Boys aren't pretty like girls, and they can't wear ribbons. I don't care how pretty I be, Almanzo said, and I wouldn't wear ribbons anyhow. Well, I like to make butter, and I like to patch quilts, and cook, and sew, and spin, and boys can't do that. But even if I be a girl, I can drop potatoes and sow carrots and drive horses as well as you can. You can't whistle on the grass stem, Almanzo said. At the end of the row, he looked at the ash trees, crumpled new leaves, and asked Aleph if she knew when to plant corn. She didn't. So he told her, corn planting time is when the ash leaves are as big as a squirrel's ear. How big... How big a squirrel's ear? Alice asked. Just an ordinary squirrel. Well, those leaves are as big as a baby squirrel's ear, and it isn't corn planting time. For a minute, Almanzo didn't know what to think. Then he said, A baby squirrel isn't a squirrel, it's a kitten. Eh, but it's just as much a squirrel. No, it isn't. It's a kitten. Little cats are kittens. Little foxes are kittens. Little squirrels are kittens. And a kitten isn't a cat. A kitten isn't a squirrel either. Oh, said Alice. When the ash leaves were big enough, Almanzo helped to plant corn. The field had been marked with potato markers. With the potato marker. Father and Royal had Almanzo plant it together. Oh, and Father and Royal and Almanzo planted it together. They wore bags of seed corn tied around their waists like aprons, and they carried hoes at, at the house. And what? Doesn't make sense. Oh, that's because I skipped too many pages. At the corner of each square, there were the furrows crossed, they stirred up the soil with the hoe and made a shallow hollow in it and dropped two grains of corn into the hollow and covered them with dirt and patted it firm. Father and Royal worked fast. Their hands and hoes made exactly the same movements every time. Three quick slashes, a dab with the hoe, a flash of the hand, then a scoop of two pats with the hoe, and the hill of corn was planted and they made one quick stride forward and did it again. But Almanzo had never planted corn before. He did not handle the hoe so well, and he had to trot two steps where Royal and Father took one, because his legs were shorter. Father and Royal were ahead of him all the time, and he could not keep up. One of them finished out his row each time, so that he could start out even again. But he knew he could plant corn as fast as anybody when his legs were longer. So the next chapter is called Tin Peddler. That's fun. It's fun hearing about how these guys are planting fields and working on the farm. 
They have to work really hard. Well, boys, I hope you sleep really, really well. Remember to stay warm, okay? Wear your jackets and your long pants. Stay under your covers. It's really important. I want you guys to get over your coughs and to be healthy. I love you lots. Good night.